Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Believer's Authority, how to move from deliverance to dominion. If there was one topic that was needed in the body of Christ today, it is this. Because far too often, I see people on this path where it's just laced with ditches and valleys and there's never any upward movement. There's never any change. It's constantly laced with frustration, moving from one pit to another pit. They have one breakthrough and then they move to the next breakthrough. I want you to understand at the beginning of this broadcast that when God talks about breakthrough in the Bible, let me read it to you. Joshua chapter one. I'm going to show you the Bible version of what breakthrough is supposed to look like. Breakthrough is not an event. Breakthrough is not one a one-time event that you enjoy in life. And then after that, you know, it's either downhill or uphill. We don't know. And we pretty much, it's like life is totally random. I'm going to show you what breakthrough in life looks like. For And this is Old Testament. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, there was a glory that was great, but that glory was fading away now we're in a glory which does not fade away so the bible says if this was in the old testament and it was good the new covenant that we have with god was not sealed by the blood of a natural lamb it wasn't sealed by the blood of an ox or a goat we have been redeemed by the blood of jesus christ the actual lamb of god the son of the living god and as such the ministration of this new covenant has a glory which never fades away the bible says it this way in romans chapter 8 that the law we by the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus we have been broken free from the law of sin and death not broken free one time only to enjoy sin and death the rest of our lives no broken free once and for all free at last free at last never to be bound again but let me show you joshua chapter one and beginning with verse three this is what dominion looks like this is what i want to get into and i pray that from the onset of this broadcast that this message gets it doesn't fall on deaf ears because if all you do is hear what i have to say today and you do nothing about it nothing changes in your mentality you still live live a defeated mentality you're still thinking defeated thoughts you're still speaking defeated words all of this is just an, you might as well click out of the broadcast now but if i pray i pray right now that as this word the seed of the incorrect corruptible word of God gets into your spirit today that it's going to produce understanding and that you are going to walk in the authority that God has delegated to the believer Jesus told his disciples now that I'm going don't get hopeless don't be in despair don't get discouraged or give up and quit on the mission that we started because i'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of god hallelujah we are not helpless we're not at the mercy of the devil we have keys keys symbolize authority we have been given authority from god himself that remember what jesus said before he elevated and ascended to heaven he said all authority 
authority in heaven and on earth have been given unto me. Well, I'm not a mathematician, but if you have eight pieces of pie and I eat all eight pieces of pie, how many pieces of pie are left for you? Zero. Jesus said all the pieces of authority, the pieces of pie that symbolize authority, I've already taken them up. I've eaten them all up in heaven and on earth. That means there's zero power and there's zero authority left in the devil's camp. Hallelujah. But if you still live in this devil consciousness, this devil defeated consciousness that ultimately we're in some everlasting match, battling, wrestling match with the devil and will never break free, that you have this picture of Jesus arm wrestling the devil and Jesus is breaking a, a bead of sweat and the devil's breaking a bead of sweat and they're kind of in this like tossing and turning constant up and down seesaw battle then you're gonna live in struggle and frustration that's why I'm doing this broadcast it's to show you that we have been made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus that the greater one lives in us and the same authority Christ exercised on the earth he didn't do it to prove to you he was the son of God he did it to show you this is how a son of God and daughter of God is to operate and the Bible says that the whole earth is awaiting the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God if you're born again the Bible says to as many as received Christ to them gave he power to become children of God the Bible says in first John 3 1 beloved what great love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God I'm a child of God and as a child of God God has given me keys that I can bind whatever I need bound I can loose whatever I need loose that the devil's not over my head the devil's not eye to eye with me anymore the devil's not in my knees the devil's not even above my foot the devil has one place where he can stay and stay forever and that is under my feet and I refuse refuse to give more fit place to give more room to give more place for the devil outside of under my feet and that's the place of authority that you're going to take from this point onward forever gone are the days of you needing constant deliverance forever gone are the days of you needing constant breakthrough forever gone from today as you get this message in your heart are the days where you're in a needy needy pray for me pray for me business i'm frustrated and fed up with the body of christ constantly looking like prayer projects and pity parties when we've been called to be set high above the nations of the earth i'm not sent here to be a burden I'm here to be a blessing and that's not because I'm an evangelist that's not because there's a pastor and a prophet and an apostle every Christian is an ambassador of God you know what an ambassador does an ambassador is clothed with the resources from the nation which he was sent from an ambassador is empowered by the resources from which he was sent. Even if an ambassador goes to a poor nation, if he's a United States ambassador and the nation he's in, they don't even have toilets, they all just have outhouses or whatever, that ambassador, because of the resources of the United States of America, enjoys a toilet, he enjoys a limousine service, he enjoys the best of the best of the United States, even though he's in a different country. Well, we might be in this world, but we are ambassadors of another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and I got the resources of heaven that back me 
me up and those resources back you up and God is trying to plead through us in this day and age that this world is not the best system that's been set up there's a higher system the system of God and you can be translated into that kingdom today and enjoy the full backing of heaven to live like heaven on the earth you know I was uh, talking to a friend of mine and he told me about the word I never heard about this I knew the word ecclesia meant the gathering of the called out ones I knew that the word ecclesia meant that uh, we are the holy ones the separate ones we are the the assembly of God on the earth I knew that but apparently when Jesus turned to his disciples and he said behold I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it there's a far greater meaning to that than I ever thought and my friend enlightened me by sharing this with me which I love hearing revelation when people God gives it to other people it blesses my spirit when I know it's from heaven he studied a bit into that word and ecclesia actually was a term that Jewish no, sorry that Grecian and Roman people would use like for example if the Roman Empire wanted to assimilate a village a town a region they would send their own ecclesia to that town they would send their ecclesia to that village an ecclesia was a delegation of, of, of individuals that were sent to assimilate the people to Roman conformity so that they looked like Romans, they dressed like Romans, they spoke like the Roman language, they did what the Romans did, you know, as the do as the Romans do. They they were sent literally to assimilate the Ro the people into Roman culture. When Jesus said that I am I am going to build my ecclesia, he knew exactly what he meant when he said that, and the people hearing him understood what that meant. That God was building up a hallelujah. Come on, somebody, God. Was was building up a delegation of individual of individual individuals a delegate delegates sent out from heaven who are literally representatives of heaven to go into regions to go into highways and byways and assimilate the people to the culture of heaven i'm in this world but i certainly do not look like this world and i'm out now with assignment and commission of heaven that as god freely what he freely did in me i am now the ecclesia a, a delegation, a delegate sent out to bring conformity, to occupy on this earth, to bring this world, like Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I see that ecclesia rising up today, not going from prayer to prayer, not going from deliverance to deliverance, but carrying the power and authority of heaven to wherever the, like we're going to read right now, Joshua 1.3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread on, is land that I'm giving to you. Every place, every place that the sole of your foot will tread on upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the land of the Jebusites, sorry, the land of the Hittites and the great the great sea towards your going, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. If you're just... Joining me now, please share this broadcast and help me get the word out. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Not some, some battles you don't win, some battles you win. you got to pick and choose your bet. No, no battle will be able to come against you and wipe you out all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you, and I will not forsake you. But be strong and of good courage. So there's a position you have to take on as a 
as a born-again believer. It's not these things will naturally just come to pass because you got saved. No, you have something to do. You have to stand firm in that authority. That's why Ephesians 6 says it this way. Finally, be my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have a real devil. If you think you're going to go through life without being challenged, you are going to be greatly disappointed because the enemy has one goal for you that is to steal, that is to kill, and ultimately to destroy your life and your family. He wants to make a living hell of you. The Bible says what he did to Job. Job went from the presence of the Lord and he began to unveil his plan for mankind through Job. It was to steal his finances. It was to kill his body. It was to kill his loved ones. But the Bible says Job was an example of what it looked like without covenant. Job didn't have covenant with God. Job couldn't cry out to God, Lord, help me. You said in your word, Job didn't even have a Bible. Scholars believe that he was like Abrahamic time, pre-Abraham, maybe at the same time as Abraham, but it's not like Job. Job is located pretty much in the middle of your Bible. That's not past Exodus. It's at, chronologically, it's before Exodus. It's before Leviticus. It's before Moses ever took his place on the earth. There was no covenant set up in Job's day. He had like a Windows 95 covenant. But the Bible says he cried out, if only, if only there were a mediator, hallelujah, if only there were a mediator, if only there were an arbitrator, if only there were a representative from heaven who can stand before God and me and put his hand on each of us and make peace so that this trouble can end well the good news is in first uh, second timothy chapter 2 the bible says we have one mediator and we have one one arbitrator we have one savior between god and man and the bible says it's the man jesus christ when christ came he stood as the mediator between man and god the breach that was broken he rebuilt the he rebuilt the wall he rebuilt the not the wall he rebuilt the bridge that was broken that had tumbled down that separated us from god so that now we don't have to cry out for a mediator we can know that Jesus Christ has already mediated for us a better covenant so that now when the devil comes a knocking, you don't have to succumb to the same trials Job did. You can rise up in the authority of the believer and send the devil packing and return to sender everything he sent your way in the name of Jesus. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Dominion is not coping with the devil. Dominion is not trying to... Uh, you know, bear the devil's onslaught. Dominion is not coexisting or cohabitating with Satan. Dominion is not living ab living with and compromising with the devil. And you know, he takes, he gives, and we just we've we've come up with a contract. That's not what dominion is. Dominion is having it your way every day, all day. Dominion is having it your way every day and all day. I want you to write that in the comment section. Dominion is having it my way. Dominion is having it my way. We're not coping. It's taking charge over life. When Elijah was challenged by Ahab's armies, he sent a captain of 50 and their commander. And they said, hey, uh, Elijah, come down. King Ahab wants to talk with you. What did Elijah do? Well, you know, Romans 13, we should probably go down. No, Ahab stood up, uh, Elijah stood up and he said, if I be a man of God, 
I, the, the devil doesn't get to decide my destiny. The devil doesn't get to decide the events of my life. The devil doesn't get to decide what transpires in my world because I have been translated out of his dominion. I'm no longer under the control or governing of Satan. I'm no longer under the rulership of the devil. When I was a sinner, when I had been sold into slavery to sin, Romans 6, 16, whoever you present yourself as a slave to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey. When I was a slave to sin, I was subject to Satan's dominion. I was subject. That's why it's important to get people saved because you can't help them. God can't help you until you get saved, until you get translated, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's son, the kingdom, the kingdom of light. But as long as I was in darkness, I had nothing. I couldn't do anything about it. When OCD hit me, I couldn't do anything about it. When problems came my way, I couldn't do anything about it. I had a, a, a rope, a, a yoke on my neck that was too tight and too heavy, a burden too heavy that was breaking me down, tying me down and causing a heaviness on me that I couldn't break free from. That's why Jesus is crucial. That's why Jesus was necessary because Mark chapter 3 says it that when the strong man guards his palace, his goods are in peace. We were the devil's goods. We were the devil's soldiers. We were the devil's army. We were the devil's uh, ambassadors on the earth when we were in sin. We were the devil's slaves and servants. There was nothing good that dwelt in us. That's why the Bible says, but when a stronger one comes in, he will bind the strong man. That's what happened. Let me tell you a little bit of history of the devil. The devil, when he was created, he was created Lucifer. Lucifer was clothed in beauty. Lucifer was clothed in every beautiful gem, the Bible says. He was clothed in the beauty of perfection. He had everything at his disposal. He was the anointed cherub who dwelt in the presence of God, who stood on the mountain of God, the Bible says. He was like God's right-hand man. He was God's personal assistant. But the Bible says iniquity was found in his heart. And he got high-minded. He got prideful. That's why you got to get rid of pride or pride will get rid of you. Pride is a destructive force that if left unchecked, if left um, growing, and if you leave that seed to grow and to germinate and to increase, it will kill you. The same loss that Satan suffered, you'll suffer too. When pride came into his heart, he rose up high and he said, I will exalt. I will exalt. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. I feel like preaching, but it's, I need to stop and read too because I don't want people to think I'm just making this up. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, this is what Satan said before he fell, I will ascend into heaven. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I'll send above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to shale, to the lowest depths of the pit. And verse 16 says, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth to tremble? who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness, who destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of prisoners. All the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house. 
In Genesis chapter 1, when God made man, he made him very good. We were created very good. Bible says that we were created in God's very own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. That's why you have worth. That's why you have value. That's why you have intellect. Because, I mean, you look at at, um, at fish. You look at dolphins. You look at sharks. Sharks, there's not like some underground... Uh, metropolis being built by sharks there's not some underground you know you look at birds they're not building empires they're not building massive skyscrapers they're not building societies and stuff they they don't have they weren't created in god's image they have a level of intellect they have a level of thinking but they don't have the ability to create like we do because we they weren't created in god's image god is not a bird god is not a four-footed creature god is not a creeping thing on the earth god has two eyes he has a mouth he has two hands he has five fingers on each hand he has two feet five finger five toes on each feet uh, he, he looked like us. How do we know that? Because God created us in his very own image. And the Bible says when he created us, he established us in a place called Eden. Eden was the garden of God. Eden was perfection in beauty and perfection. Eden had everything. There was no lack in Eden. There was no sickness in Eden. There was no famine in Eden. There was no struggle in Eden. Whenever Adam wanted to eat, food came to him. Whenever Adam wanted to pluck an apple, there was no down season. There wasn't any any, uh, no harvest. Every season was a harvest season in Eden. The trees produced in every single month. They were producing 12 manner of fruit. There was life. There was vibrancy. Everything moved forward for Adam in Eden. He never had a devil to deal with until a snake came and tempted Adam, he, God had told him, there's one tree that you can't touch of. There's one fruit that you cannot eat of. And God didn't put that tree there because you know, he wanted to set, he wanted to tempt Adam. No, he put that tree there because he wanted to allow Adam to choose for himself, to have free will. He did not want a bunch of robots serving him. He did not want a bunch of, you know, programmed machinery that would just do as God wanted done no matter what. And there was no option of ever, that would be called slavery. That's what socialism does pretty much. You're slaves to the government, but God didn't want to be a socialist. God is not a socialist. God created that. He made that tree and planted in the middle of the garden of Eden. He said, all of the abundance around it, you can freely take a it. Every tree is good for you to eat. You can touch it. You can eat it. You can cook apple pie. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. But there's one tree, one fruit you can't touch of. That was sent there to give Adam freedom of choice. When the enemy came in and tempted Eve, Eve ate of the fruit because the fruit was made to, to, to be desirable. To, to The Bible says to make one wise. Satan tempted Eve saying that if you'll eat this, you'll be like God. Well, isn't that the same thing that God Lucifer himself to fall because he wanted to be like God so he used the same tactics the same way he fell he tried to make Adam fall and Eve fell and what ended up happening it's exactly what happened they they bought the bait they took it hook line and sinker and they sunk to the deep and man died spiritual death Ephesians chapter 1 let me read this to you Ephesians chapter 2 actually and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins 
So how does that make sense? We weren't dead in our physical bodies. We were alive. I always say it. Adam lived on another 930 years. Eve lived on many, many hundreds of years. Cain, Abel, they all lived. They, people were still procreated. People were, uh, there were sons and daughters being born. People weren't, they weren't dead. The human, the human race wasn't abolished and totally diminished. The Bible says they live very long lives. Methuselah lived 969 years. But what died? What died was the spirit of man. The God-like nature in man left him. So that man was reduced to beasts. Man was reduced to just soul and body. Man had lost the God nature. The divine life had left man. And so the Bible says you were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. So if the Bible stopped there, it would be a very depressing scripture to read, because it just shows the depravity of man. And there's a lot of Christians and ministers and pastors who all they focus on is the depravity of man. The, the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man. And yes, we need to address that because people need to get saved and they need to come to the reality. The Bible says the Spirit will convict man of sin, of truth, and of righteousness. But if all you do is soak yourself up with that preaching for the rest of your life, you're going to live very depleted of strength and energy you're not going to have any joy if all you think is god sees you as some wretched human being you know paul said what a wretched man that i am he was referring to his old lifestyle he was referring to his life when he conducted himself in the lust of his flesh he was a wretched man he couldn't break free from the body of sin but the bible says he proceeded to say thanks be unto god for he has set me free from the law of sin and death and there's no more condemnation for those that are in christ jesus who live not by the flesh but walk according to the spirit we once walked according to the flesh but now we walk in the spirit we live in the spirit we walk not by sight we walk by faith to please god you can please god you can live for god you don't have to stay strapped down by the cords of sin and the cords of uh, and the dominion of sin the bible says in romans 6 that sin no longer poses dominion over you that you should obey it in its lust you don't you're not sin is no longer your master in christ you are now a master over sin. You have now dominion and power to break free, not just from the action of sin, but the actual nature of sin, the actual power of sin. Christ, when he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too were raised in likeness of his death. We were conformed to his death and we likeness of his resurrection that the spirit of God and of glory now rests upon us. So we, the Bible says, very clearly in Romans 6, not only that sin shall no longer have dominion over you, that you should obey it in its lust, but the Bible goes on to say sin will no longer reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it. Because now we present ourselves as slaves to God to obey righteousness. So that now the same desire I had for sin, the same desire I had to, to smoke up, to drink, to do whatever, party, that same desire is gone and a new desire with an increased fervency and intensity comes on me to want to read my Bible, to want to pray, to want to evangelize, to want to do world missions, to want to preach. Man, when I think of preaching, I get so joyful. When I think that next week I can go out and do two and a half weeks of preaching, that makes me so happy. That Man, this, I have an addiction for it. That's why I do these broadcasts. 
I'm hooked on to it. I'm totally engaged. I'm immersed into it. I couldn't live without prayer. I couldn't live without my Bible. The same way I couldn't live without pot. The same way I couldn't live. The Bible says we now present the instruments of our body as weapons of righteousness to God. So that now, the same way I couldn't live with the, without those things, I can't live without prayer. I can't live without God. I can't live without preaching. I can't live without declaring the Great Commission. I can't live without walking daily with God. Just like Enoch, by faith, he walked with God. I can't live without that walk with God. Because sin no longer has dominion over me. But if you listen to some preachers, they tell you, you have to, if you're bound by sin, you have to stay bound by sin the rest of your life. There's no hope. How many of you know as long as we're in the flesh, you'll never stop sinning? Bull! What a devil lie! Well, it sounds like you're talking about perfection. Then Jesus was a blatant liar because he said you are to be perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. So obviously perfection is attainable. Obviously you can live without sin in your life. Because uh, Peter said that we should let our conduct be holy before God, knowing that all these things will be dissolved. For just as he has said, be perfect even as I am perfect, says the Lord. So if God said it, and then you have some brainwashed, watered-down preacher telling you how many of you know, ultimately, we'll finally be set free from that when we get into the next life. But here on earth, there's always going to be a struggle in wrestling with sin. Really? So I, I consider Jesus to be an expert in Christianity. So I'm going to go what he had to say rather than what you have to say. Because I know what that doctrine produces. It produces people that 15 years later, they're still hooked on pornography. It produces a doctrine that 10 years later, they're still recovering alcoholics. It produces a, a, a fruit. You know, the Bible says wisdom is justified by her children. The wisdom of the doctrines you preach are justified or condemned by the fruit it produces. So if all that, I see the people who, who talk about once saved, always saved. You know, there's nothing you can do that'll separate you from, from God. Now, there is nothing you can do that can separate you from God's love. But I tell you, there are many things you can do that can separate you from God's presence and God's plan and God's salvation. There's not a point in your life where you can't turn back and come back to God, but there, there are many things. There, sin separates you from God. Just like it did in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 4, when Cain was thinking of killing Abel, God appeared to him before to warn him, sin's desire is for you, but you must master it because it's like a lion crouching before your door and it will pounce on you and kill you. Sin will kill you and and sin, the Bible says in Numbers, be sure your sins will find you out. So you can't hide it. You can't bury it. It will. The truth will come forth. So I know what that doctrine produces. A bunch of lazy, backslidden people who are falsely told and deceived that no matter what their conduct is on the earth, God loves me. Yes, God loves you. But God is loving and God is just. And in his justice, he cannot cohabitate with sin. No fellowship between light and darkness. No communion between righteousness and lawlessness. There's no dealing between the temple of God and the temple of idols. And Paul says, therefore, be free from idols. Abstain from idolatry. Break free from sin. The whole ministry of Paul. The Bible says, in order, God gave him a commission in Acts chapter 9 to turn many from, from the power of darkness unto the power of light, to turn many from the power of Satan unto the power of God, that they might receive remission of sins and 
an inheritance amongst all them sanctified by faith. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, Paul's writings. I mean, I don't know where these guys get it from. I know where they do, from Satan. Because Satan has always been masterful at twisting scriptures. Satan has always been excellent at if there's one thing he can do and do it well is he twists the scriptures. He gets people to believe the lie so that they should be caught by the lie. But the Bible says when God grants you repentance, it's so that you can, you can grant you knowledge now to repentance in the knowledge of the truth. Because Jesus said when you come to the truth, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I tell you today, there are many of you being set free even now from this broadcast. It won't be a struggle. It won't be a back and forth battle. From today, the addictions, the sinful habits that have held you down, you're not going to have to go from forgiveness to forgiveness to forgiveness about the same things, and it's like this vicious cycle and loop. From today, the power of God comes on you, and the chains that held you down fall off for free. And the strong man enters in, binds the strong man, and whatever you've lost as a result of that sin, I know there's some of you that, just like me, when you took a lot of drugs, when you, it, it like messed up your brain, couldn't think clearly, whatever you've lost, whatever penalty, consequence, you know, there's a lot of people who teach, well, if you got yourself in that mess, you'll just have to get yourself out. That's not what salvation is. <laughs> if that were the case, then Jesus' ministry would have been going, him going around and just condemning people and telling people, you really shouldn't have done that blind bar. Bartimaeus. You really shouldn't have done that, uh, Mr. Leper. You really shouldn't have done that, Cornelius. You really, no, but everything he did, what did he do? He went about, they brought unto him them that were maimed, them that were bruised, them that were sick, them that were blind, them that were deaf, and the lame walked, and the maimed were made whole, and the blind saw, and the deaf heard, and people began to glorify the God of Israel, because Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord explains what the anointing's about. The anointing is about setting the captives free the anointing we got ourselves in this mess but bless god christ came to disarm principalities and powers and made a public show of the devil openly so that what we lost to satan we can now regain in christ whatever we forfeited through in satan we can now regain in christ whatever was lost in adam's sin we now regain in christ's obedience and righteousness because i'm no longer a sinner i've been saved by grace and i'm now the righteousness of god i can stand before God without any sense of inferiority, any sense of condemnation, any sense of guilt. I can draw near with a true assurance of faith before God and I can obtain mercy. I can find grace. God is a helper. God is a builder. And I'm here to encourage you today that whatever the devil took, God's about to restore what the locusts have eaten, the swarming locusts and the chewing locusts. God's going to bring back into your hand double in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you're just joining me now, please share this broadcast. There is fire on this broadcast today. The devil is having a hard time today. The devil's going to have a hard time from this moment onward in your life. From this day onward, you are going from glory to glory. From this day onward, you're going to go from victory to victory. From this day onward, you're going to go from triumph to triumph. Because the Bible doesn't say God sometimes leads us in triumph and sometimes leads us in defeat. No, the Bible says thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph through Christ Jesus. Let me read something to you. Romans chapter chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, and the reason why you can tell is because I can rip it right out of my Bible. It's totally disengaged. 
Romans chapter 1, let me, let me read this to you. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us everything else? God didn't spare his son to get you saved. Do you think that he's going he's gonna to hold back for your healing? If God didn't spare his son to get you saved, do you think he'll hold back for your financial breakthrough you need? If God didn't spare his son to get you saved, do you think he's going to hold back from breaking you free from the bonds of sin if God didn't send his, if God sent his son to get you saved do you think he's going to hold back from taking that depression off your life from restoring your marriage let me tell you if God did not spare his son he will not will he not with him freely give us everything else to richly enjoy who shall bring a charge against God's elect it's a very dangerous thing to come and stretch your hand against the people of God it's a very dangerous thing because the Bible says we are ministering we are ministers of fire to God and when fire, even a madman, if he touches fire, will stop because his hand will get burnt. And when the devil will come near you from this day forward, he's going to feel the heat. He's going to touch. And the Bible says that it's, it's, all, it's, it's only going to scorch his hand, burn him off. And he'll go, he'll, the Bible says, resist the devil and he shall run from you as in terror. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who has died and furthermore is risen. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long and we are slaughtered as sheep to the slaughter. It's talking about persecution. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You know what it is to be a conqueror? A conqueror is someone who goes out to battle. A conqueror is someone who goes and fights the war. A conqueror is someone who goes out and has to sweat and bleed on the battlefield. The one who has to lift up his sword. The one who has to take up arms and go to war. That's what a conqueror is and he comes back in victory. You know who's more than a conqueror? It's the ones who enjoy and benefit off the victory of the conqueror. Conqueror Christ went to war against the devil and the Bible says though the enemy had snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave, though the enemy had snatched the keys of dominion on the earth because God created man in dominion and when Adam sinned he ceded he forfeited those keys to Satan and Satan kept wagging those keys in front keys in front of us day after day year after year but his time ran out because God said in Genesis 3 you have bruised man's heel but one is coming from his seed who's gonna crack your head in the skull let me tell you he's gonna <laughs> when the hallelujah you can't preach on this and have and not have joy you can't preach on this and not like David said have like a, a power that comes on you that makes you want to run through a troop and leap over a wall when Jesus went to the lowest he took the keys of death hell and the grave back from the devil and he took his heel that heel that was prophesied in Genesis and it slammed the devil's head cracked his skull his blood and brain smithered out and the Bible says that in Isaiah 14 that there's going to be a day where we're actually going to come across the devil and we're going to see him for what he really is the devil is not a lion he prowls around like a roaring lion but if you'd see him he's just a mouse with a microphone he's a defeated foe that's why the bible says there's going to be a day where we're going to see him and say is this the one who caused all that misery is this the one who brought tragedy is this the one who caused sickness is this the one who caused famine is this the one who made me poor is this the one who did all those things is this the one who brought cities to desolation is this the dummy that made us look made us live like hell on the earth i wish i had no 
known that he looked like this while I was yet in the land of the living because I would have continued the crack that Jesus started and just beat him down to smithereens. Well, I'm telling you, you don't have to be like one who in that day wishes he had done things differently. You can now slam the door on the devil's head and tell him, devil, my house, we serve God. In my house, we serve the living God. In my house, we're committed to God's purposes. In my house, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In my house, we're tied in. He that is joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. In my house, I, we are one spirit with God. And as such, we have keys to bind you at will. We have keys to bind you at will. You don't have to bear the onslaught. Christianity isn't a coping mechanism. Christianity is you being empowered to live like little Christ on the earth, that wherever your foot shall go is land that God has given unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're more than conquerors. The conqueror is the one who goes to war. The more than conqueror is the wife that stays at home or the husband that stays at home. And when the wife comes back and gives a nice fat check, hands it right into his hands or her hands. And she can go and buy herself a Prada purse. And he can go and buy himself a new car, whatever it is. He didn't have to sweat. He didn't have to get bruised. He didn't have to die. He didn't have to go to war. He just enjoys the benefits. That's what the Bible is. Christ disarmed principalities and powers. And we now enjoy and enforce the triumph of faith. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, don't let your heart be discouraged. You believe in God, believe in me. And he said, in this world, you're going to have challenges. They're going to be trials. They're going to be tribulation. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And in 1 John 5, 4, it says, whatever is born of God, he has overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, I want you to write in the comment section, I am born again an overcomer. I am born again an overcomer. I am born again an overcomer. And what you to take me out what used to wipe me out what used to bring me down can no longer bring me down because i've been ephesians 2 i god being rich in mercy though i was dead in my sins and trespasses god being rich in mercy because of the love which he had for me he hath quickened my body he hath raised me up with christ and then he didn't stop there he made me to be lifted up and seated in heavenly places in christ jesus christ fought for the throne but now he's enthroned and now by virtue of the new birth we are now seated with christ in heavenly places far above every power far above every principality far above every dominion far above every name that is name and jesus said i'm gonna give you my name i'm gonna give you the name of jesus that wherever you go every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess of things in heaven on earth and of things in hell it doesn't matter what sickness has knocked on your door it doesn't matter if it's stage one or stage four it doesn't matter what the enemy's trying to send your way there's still a name that is higher than every other name and if you'll take action today and not just use that name as some lucky lucky uh, four-leaf clover or some rabbit's foot but actually believe in the power released through that name then I tell you the authority of heaven and the power of heaven will back the mention of that name and subdue the thing that's trying to wipe you out in Jesus mighty name for I'm persuaded that neither death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you very quickly 
a few reasons why we have authority and we can move from deliverance to dominion. Number one is you're a new creation. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. You know, when you become a new creature, the Bible doesn't say that you're a renovated version of your old self. The Bible doesn't say that you're a remodeled version of your old self. The Bible doesn't say that you are, um, you've been restructured and remodeled. No, it says you're a brand new species of being. You're not even a human anymore. You're a new creature. You have new DNA running through your body. You have new DNA running through your spirit. You're not even classified as human or earthly anymore. That's why Jesus said in John 3.3, that whatever is born from above is above all you've been born from above and now you're above all you're you're a child of the most high god and the bible says that his divine power now grants to you everything in life and in godliness the bible says that by these magnificent promises we are partakers of the divine nature we are partakers god's very own life that's why when people say god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life everlasting life is not just making it to heaven and living eternally everlasting life if you study it it's the word zoe it means the life and force and nature of god that jesus said i am the vine my father is the vine dresser and whoever abides in me the same dna the same Force, the same nature of the vine will be infused in the branch and the branch will take on the nature of the vine. You have been infused. The Bible says in Romans 11, we've been grafted into the tree. We've been grafted into the olive tree, which is Christ. So that now we are partakers of the life force of God. That's why the enemy will work overtime to get you to not believe this message, to get you to get discouraged and just X out of this screen, to get you to, you know, get the body of Christ up in arms against a message like this oh that's that dominion theology because he knows the moment the body of Christ catches this divine truth his days are over on the earth because you're not normal the, why do you think you know everyone likes to say we need to be more Christ-like we need to be more like Christ I agree I wholeheartedly and fully agree that we need to be more Christ-like. But being more Christ-like is not just being more loving, more joyful. It's not just the fruit of the Spirit. It's not being more kind and being more generous. Those are all great things. And we should be more Christ-like in those areas. And God, God's power will enable you to do that. But being Christ-like is not just stopping there. If we're to be Christ-like, then we should be Christ-like even in His dominion over the devil. We should be Christ-like even in His dealings with mountains. We should be christ-like even when the waves in the sea mark chapter 4 they were rising up and the waves began to come into the boat and the disciples beg, began to beg christ as he was sleeping in the stern rise up don't you care that we're dying what did jesus do jesus didn't get up and say well how many of you know in life the bible says we're going to endure many storms and we're not going to be able to no he didn't say that the bible says that he rose up and he addressed the storm and he said storm hush be still which in the aramaic was the strongest word for shut up he said shut up and be still when the devil comes mouthing off like david don't let him keep talking you're to shut him up pick up a few stones from the word of god a few scriptures like jesus did in the wilderness when the devil came to tempt him jesus replied no devil it is written get thee behind me man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god and what happened jesus got up uh, storm shut up 
And the wind stopped and the waves became perfectly uh, clear. So that even Peter, a trained fisherman, got up and said, I've never even seen the, the sea this calm. This is the calmness I've ever seen the sea be. And that tells you, if you're going to be Christ-like in, in his character, then you should also be Christ-like in his power. That the next time a storm comes your way, you don't have to just, you know, succumb to the pressure of the storm. You don't have to just give up and say, well, how many of you know we're not promised victory. We're just promised strength to get through it. No, we're actually promised victory. We're, the, God didn't tell the people of Israel while the Egyptians were chasing after them, stand still and see and watch me just carry you through this all. No, stand still and see the salvation of God. And the Egyptians that you see today, the same sea that will split for you is the same waters that will drown out your enemies. I tell you the same same power that sets you free from sin, sets you free from sickness, sets you free from the devil's onslaught is the same power that now enables you to go about doing good as Christ did, to cast out devils, to heal the sick in your own life. You don't have to contract prayer out to a minister. You have authority yourself to go out, lay hands on the sick. The Bible doesn't say they that are ministers shall lay hands on the sick. It says they who believe in my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll pick up deadly serpents. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's about time we stop singing about the name, stop talking about the name, stop preaching about the name and not use the name. Those things are good. We should sing about the power in his name. We should sing about the beauty of his name. We should sing and we should preach and we should teach in that name. But we have to also, like Peter and John, when we see a hurting, broken, broken, lost, despairing world, people that are lame, dying and lost humanity and they're crying out for the church to do something. It's about time like Peter and John, like that layman at the gate called Beautiful, where we rise up and say silver and gold we may not have. There's not enough money in the world that can cure you or help you. There's not enough money in the world that can ransom you back to God. There's not enough money in the world that can redeem your soul, but such as I do have, give I unto thee in the name that is above every other name. Get up and walk and seizing him and Acting on it, he lifted him up and immediately his ankle bones and, and feet were strengthened and he began to leap, walk, and praise God. You're a new creation. I'm Christ-like. What did Mark chapter 11 say? If you'll say, if you'll have the faith of God, you can say to this mountain. So Jesus is saying, this is the faith I use. This is why I can command a, wither, a fig tree to wither. This is why I can go into tab, uh, uh, that little girl who was 12 years old who had died and I can raise her from the dead. This is why I can do those things because if you'll have that same faith now, you can say to this mountain, be thou uprooted and be cast into the sea and not doubting and it shall be exactly as you say it. That's what dominion is. Exactly how you want it. You don't like your marriage going to shambles? Well, command that devil that started, that's stirring up trial and tribulation behind your marriage. That's trying to, to embitter you against your husband or embitter your husband against you. Just command that thing to leave and begin to exercise authority to not only bind, but then to loose the peace of God. Loose the joy of the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So don't just take authority to bind. Take authority and loose. Loose the things. Jesus said, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's will is not going to get done in your life until you enforce it through authority. You're a new creation. 
Number two, you've been translated. We're no longer under Satan's rule. The blood has regained for us what, what Adam in sin lost. We belong to God's family. The Bible says we who are far off have been brought near. Our citizenship is heavenly. I have heavenly citizenship. I'm an ambassador of heaven. I feed off the resources of heaven. I'm not subject to the world's economic system. I'm not subject to the, to the, da the darkness of this world. I am a child of light. I'm commanded and anointed to expose darkness and establish light. This light in me shines in darkness and darkness can't comprehend it. Darkness can't do anything about it. I am a child of light um, and I shine that light everywhere I go. Bishop Oyedepo in Nigeria said one day there was a, a man, I think it was one of his cousins actually, who was, had a spirit of insanity and he couldn't, he was, he was losing his, his mind. Just came on him suddenly, lost his mind. And would, you know, do all kinds of crazy things. And people tried to subdue him. People tried to hold him down. And he just broke free and would run around. And, and nobody would be able to control him. And they called on Bishop Oyedepo to come in. And when he walked in, uh, they were expecting him to, like, get the oil out and, and take this long deliverance session. And uh, he, all he said was, bring him into my car. And he said, let me see the devil that can stand the light of God in me on a car ride. So they put him in his car and he said, by the time we got to the destination, the kid that was insane and hadn't slept in days was sleeping and totally delivered. Let me see the devil that can stand the sheer force of the light of God working through me. There was another man. He was speaking for five days straight. He couldn't stop. He could not stop. It was a devil that took possession of his body. Could not stop speaking. Just kept on babbling all kinds of nonsense. And uh, Bishop Oyedepo came in and all he did was say shut up in Jesus name and the boy stopped didn't say another word and was he regained his sanity the Bible says Jesus cast out the spirits with his word I tell you there's more <laughs> there's more power see the thing is is that if you don't understand this fundamentally I'm not saying superficially I'm talking about fundamentally if this doesn't get into your heart you're gonna try and go out and like the seven sons of Sceva you'll in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out, and it won't work because it's not in your heart. The devil understands when someone carries real authority and someone is trying to pretend he has authority. And there's a lot of people who live secret, hidden lives that pretend to have authority publicly and they don't have any change of story because it has to be in sincerity, the truth of God hidden in your heart. That's right, Lisa. We are joint heirs with Christ in heavenly places. And we have authority. But that authority has to be exercised. It doesn't matter if I'm a policeman and have a badge. It doesn't matter if I, I, I'm an army soldier and I have authority to do certain things. If I don't take that badge and wear it and carry my gun, those that authority, doesn't matter how high ranked of a police officer I might be, until I take that authority and exercise and apply it and practice it, that authority won't profit me anything. I saw someone right on Facebook. I think it was Eric Stone. Who's he's, he's probably watching right now. He, he said, uh, gave an analogy of a man and his wife walking in, the, in a storm. And uh, the rain started to come, come down real hard. And the husband said, I, I know where there's a, a shelter we can stay under until the rain passes. And the wife said, well, show me where it is. We need to get there. 
And he pretty much the analogy goes to show that even just knowing that there's a shelter doesn't allow you to benefit of that shelter, doesn't allow you to be covered from the storm. Just knowing that authority is there to be used doesn't allow you to be covered from the storm, doesn't allow you to walk in dominion. You have to know where the shelter is, and then you got to abide under the shelter of the Most High, and then you can say of your God, He's your fortress and your dwelling place. Then no evil will befall you. Then when pestilence stalks in darkness, it will not come near you. Then you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent, you'll trample underfoot. Then then you'll be set securely on high. So just knowing about authority doesn't help you. You have to know, understand, and then in faith. Your authority will never rise above the level of faith you operate in. Authority and dominion is a function of your faith. If you don't have faith to speak to your mountain, then your authority will never be released to subdue the mountain. You have to open up your mouth and speak. A silent Christian will remain slaughtered. A quiet mouth, a closed mouth, will keep a closed destiny. You have to open up your mouth. That's why Psalm 81 says, open up your mouth wide and I will fill it. God will fill with his power the mouth that's opened up wide. If you're not bold enough to declare it openly, God will not be bold in, uh, will not will not be moved to confirm it openly. If you're not bold enough to declare it boldly, God will not be moved to to confirm it openly. If you're not bold enough to declare it boldly, God will not be moved to to confirm it openly. You have to declare it. Declarest thou that thou mayest be justified. And that moves on to how to establish dominion. By the words that you speak. Jesus, fig tree, I command you to be withered. If you see something in your life that's not producing fruit, godly fruit, you have an open promise from heaven that you can declare and, con and condemn that thing for it to wither and God will enforce it and it'll, it'll wither away. Because Jesus said, just as you saw me curse the fig tree, you can say to a mountain, when Paul was trying to convince Sergius Paulus of the, the gospel of Christ and, and the, the Elymas, the false prophet, Bar-Jesus, was getting in his way and standing in his way, Paul said, Paul told him, Elymas, you full of all the devil and all deceit, the hand of the Lord comes on you and you'll be blind not seeing the, the sun for a time. And immediately scales formed on his eyes and he was blind. And then what Paul wanted to get done in that meeting got done. Sergius Paulus believed being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So if Paul had just said, well, you know, he's trying to get in our way, but how many of you know God has a different plan? There are things, and I took all of last week and the week before, uh, the week before last week to preach on prayer and to preach on fasting. But even Jesus, though he prayed, though he fasted, he didn't stop there. There are things that you pray for there are things you ask God to do, and then there are things God has asked you to enforce in your own life. There are things you have to settle for yourself. There are things you have to enforce in life. The Bible says Jesus, when he came to the gathering demonia, did he, disciples, Let's just gather around and hold hands. Father, we just ask you 
that this person would receive the peace of God. No. He spoke to him and said, be loose, come out, never to enter him again. And the man was sitting clothed and in his right mind. So you're translated. Number three, you are now above all. I touched on that a bit, so I'll skip it. Number four, you are born again as a winner and an overcomer. I touched on that already. And then number five, I'm going to read something from the Word of God. That this revelation alone, if you don't get anything but you get this, this alone will set you on fire. 82, Psalm 82 verse 5. Thanks for joining me today. If you're just joining me and you just tuned in, you can share the broadcast and you'd be a great help to me. I appreciate every one of you. This is this has been a great broadcast, it, and I'd encourage you to even go and rewatch it at the end and take notes if you haven't. Psalm 82, 5. They don't know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. So because of lack of insight, that's why Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you can see what is the surpassing greatness of God's power available to you who believe. Paul prayed that they might come to an understanding of the word of God so that they wouldn't be taken advantage of any longer by the devil. People are taken advantage of by Satan's schemes and plots because they're ignorant of God's truths. So Ephesians 4 says that you're no longer to walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened by their understanding, and as such, they're alienated from the life of God and disconnected from the plan of God. Not because God wanted to alienate them, not because God was pushing them away, not because God had a different plan and, and path for them, but because they themselves did not take it to, like Paul told Timothy, study and show yourself approved. This book gives you dominion. How the Bible says, David said, how I love thy word. It is my meditation all the day. For through your commandments, I have dominion over my enemies. They've made me wiser than the greats. How blessed is the man who meditates on his word day and night. He is like a tree firmly planted by the Lord, by a riverbank. And in every season, he's constantly bearing fruit. In every season, he doesn't wither. In every season, he's glorifying God by the fruit he produces. But the wicked are not so. They're like chaff driven away by the wind. So Paul says, you're not to be alienated from the life of God through your ignorance. Rather, study your soul, yourself to show yourself approved. Give yourself entirely to this book. Meditate on it day and night. And then your progress will become evident to all. The Bible says, now may God fill you with all the knowledge of his will so that you may bear fruit worthy of his name. When you get filled with the knowledge of his will, you now have power to bear fruit worthy of his name and increase in the power of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. The Bible says you're to add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. For if these things are constantly growing in your life, you will never be useless or unfruitful. And you'll never stumble. Great peace have they that love your law. Nothing makes them to stumble. That's why Jesus said, 
He that hears these words and does these words, he'll be like a house built upon a rock. And the winds, the waves, life can come. Things can happen. But the rock never falls. The rock is always standing. The rock is always winning. The rock is always overcoming. Jesus said, to him who overcomes, I will now grant him a seat on my, on, on my throne, just as I overcame and the Father granted me a throne. So it, it's important to take responsibility and dive into the understanding of the scriptures. Happy is the man who gains understanding. Happy is the man who finds the wisdom of God. All her paths are paths of peace. And happy are they who retain the wisdom of God's word. Then verse 6. God said this. I said you are gods. Little g gods. Not big G. Don't go out from this broadcast and say TJ said I'm God. I did not say that. This is, this is why we have to. I'm sorry that there are people who have very low IQs. You know you say a statement like that. And then uh, people go out, and they, the one thing they take from a broadcast, and they'll take a little snippet and put it on their little website, and they'll say, this guy's a heretic. He blasphemes. He, think, he said that we're just like God. Well, this is not what got Satan kicked out of heaven. I did not say that. I said that the Bible says, ye are gods, little g. And if you study that word, it talks about being divinely empowered, carrying the same nature of God. So the Bible says, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you will die like mere men and fall like one of the princes because you don't know, neither do you understand. So the more you get his word in you, the more his life gets in you. And the more, that's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as we behold his word as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into that same image. The Bible says he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. I am to be conformed into the image of Christ. I'm to be conformed into his power. I'm to be conformed into his authority. I'm to be conformed into his, into his way of talking. I'm to be conformed into his way of thinking. I'm to be conformed into his way of doing. The Bible says we are conformed into that very same image and are transformed from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. I want to pray for you now that God, whatever you're struggling with, that as this light, that light shines in darkness, as the light of this teaching got into your heart, that everything that's held you down, you break free from it right now in the name of Jesus. And now from this moment on, you know when Jesus called Peter and John and, and James and Andrew and Simon, when he called them, they might have been bound by sin. They were. Even Peter said when Jesus sat on his boat and they brought in a multitude of fish, Jesus bowed before him and said, Lord, depart from me. I'm an unclean man and I'm a sinful man and I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And Jesus cleansed them. Jesus healed them. Jesus forgave them. And then he accompanied Jesus everywhere he went. But notice how when Jesus sent out his 12 delegates, his 12 disciples, he didn't say, when you see someone sick, call for me. Or when you see someone that was in the same situation you were in, call for me. And wait, I'm going to come into the town. Just get them. I'm sending you out pretty much to assemble them. And then, and then wait for me to come in and I'll deal with the rest. He said, now as you go, freely you have been delivered. Freely you have received. Now freely go. I'm believing God for Gideon's army to rise up. That there'll be 300 people that'll rise up from this broadcast. 
with fire in their eye, with unholy angry and anger and violence against the devil for what he's doing to our generation and will be dispatched from your sofa, from your chair, no longer settled and satisfied with just watching others doing the work, but that Gideon's army is going to rise up now to like Joel, Joel chapter 2, an army will rise such as which has never been seen, not even in many successive generations, and their appearance is like war horses, and like mighty men of war, they enter in, and like Jesus did, going in to bind the strong man, to plunder their goods, Jesus said in John chapter 20, as the living Father sent me, so send I you, God is dispatching you, commissioning you, and assigning you, that the same way he, break, he broke you out of sin, the same way he delivered you from uh, shame and curse, and the guilt that you experienced, God is now enabling you and empowering you and commissioning you to go out and be that same help like Ezekiel to make dry bones live again like Jonah to tell Nineveh repent to like Peter your shadow passing by healing the sick to like Paul transforming and shaping and shaking whole regions for the power by the power of God for the glory of Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd use this broadcast to take its round around, to go around the world. To any sleeper cell Christians that have lied dormant waiting for some sort of consolation in the future. I pray, Lord, that it would raise them up in the power of your might. I pray, Father, that from this broadcast, you would bring total terror and destruction to the camp of the wicked. That just like Samson tied the foxes' tails together and lit them ablaze and dispatched them. And they went and destroyed the whole crops of all the Philistines, their enemies. I pray, let as you tie their, their tails together, let the fire of God come on them right now. And as they're sent out into this dark world lord i pray let them be used to bring in and usher in destruction to the camp of hell in jesus name in the name of jesus christ that they would go in this thy might like gideon did the mighty name of jesus christ i want you to type if you're interested in this and and that's you're making that devotion to god today i want you to type in the comment section, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. You know why it's good to minister to others? Because in any water system, when you turn on the faucet, who gets the taste of the water first? It's the pipe. When you minister to others, you're proving to be a pipe that God can flow His power through. And it guarantees that you're never caught up in the things that you're breaking other people from. Because he that waters others, himself will be watered. You're the pipe. As the water flows through you and helping other people, you're tasting of that power, of that blessing, of that authority first and foremost. So it's a good thing to serve the Lord. That's why the Bible says you're to be constant and steadfast, immovable, always serving the Lord. Knowing that he, uh, every work in the Lord's name is never done in vain. It's never in vain. 
The Bible says, whatever a man does for another, himself shall receive that same reward. So I pray that from today, the next time come and tell, someone comes up to you and tells you, hey, could you keep me in prayer? I have this. You won't say, yeah, I'll keep you in prayer and then never pray about it. No prayer necessary. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the name. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the authority that you've given me as a believer. And I break you free right now. And you'll see. You'll see. God will use you mightily. And the things you thought only ministers can do, you'll be shocked. Anybody can do it. I'm okay with praying. You know, when people come to me and ask me for prayer and they ask me to come to their house or whatever and pray for their loved one and sick one, I, I'm okay with doing that. But there has to come a point in your Christianity, especially as you progress with the Lord, that you start to take charge in your own life. That you, I mean, when that's why the disciples were sorrowing when Jesus started to say he's going to be taken up and, he, and you'll no longer see me in a little while. Because they thought, man, what are we going to do? How? The only success we enjoyed is because of you. If you leave, what are we to do? He said, no, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And now I give you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means harm you. Remember this, and I'll finish with this because I want to give one more nail in the coffin of the devil. I want to, this broadcast, if it does anything, I pray it humiliates the devil. I pray it just makes it, in your eyes, you stop having this big devil, small God mentality and start to see big God, no devil mentality. He's like a non-existent thing. That's what dominion is. It's operating as, operating as if the devil doesn't even exist. I'm not saying there isn't a real devil. The Bible, there is. That he's your only scripturally acknowledged enemy. But understand, anytime the Bible brought up the devil, it was always in reference to his defeat. He never succeeded. He stirred up Haman to bring a holocaust to the Jews in Esther's day. And Haman fashioned and structured and designed his guillotine so that every Jew would have to present their head to be decapitated. And what ended up happening? The very weapon he formed against the Jews was used to cut off Haman's head. And Esther never even had to sweat about it. She went on one little three-day fast and that was it. Big God, emaciated, scrawny, defeated, depleted of strength devil. Revelation 12. Because if you live with that, if you're not God conscious and all you are is devil. You know, people, I see demons all the time. I see demons. You shouldn't see demons all the time. The Bible doesn't say demons surround the righteous. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him. Be God conscious. The enemy will, like he did with Eve. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 11.3, I fear lest as Satan beguiled Eve by his own subtility, subtility, you too will be deceived or corrupted by his same deception. By his, by his craftiness. Don't be deceived. There are far more with us than there are against us. 
angels encamp around me. The greater one lives in me. When, as you get, when you get delivered, that's the consciousness that you have to have. Devils don't live at my address. <laughs> you know, in a volcano, it's very hard to get. There's people who, who they like to climb volcanoes and they get near. But then because of the sulfuric smell and also the heat of the lava in a volcano, if it's an active volcano, you can only get so close. You can't get to the ridge and look down. Your, your face is going to start cooking. People get like near a volcano, but they still stand afar off because they know it's, it gets too hot. When the, because you're, you're, God dwells in you, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. The devil can stalk in darkness, but he can't come near you. He can't draw near you. He can't approach any longer. There's too much fire around me. The heat of God's presence in me is too strong for him to bear. Listen to this. And war broke out in heaven. Revelation 12, 7. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was any place found for them in heaven any longer. Nor was any place found for them any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. But remember, our citizenship is in heaven. That's why the Bible says, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time. I'm not earthly. I might be in this world, but I'm born from above. I, my, I've been raised up and I'm seated in heavenly places. So the Bible says, if you're still earthly, if you haven't been translated, if you haven't been saved yet, woe to you. You should weep, howl, and cry. Because the devil has come down having, a sh having but a short while having great wrath. Knowing that he has only a little bit longer before he, can, he gets his uh, rear end thrown into the lake of fire forever. But it says, rejoice you who dwell in the heavens. And that's me. Say that out of your mouth. That's me. Rejoice. Why? Because I'm untouchable. I'm unapproachable. I'm indomitable. The devil has been cast down to the earth and there's no more place found for him in heaven. The Bible says in Luke 10, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Hallelujah. So with that being said, have you been translated? Have you been washed by the blood? Have you had your sins forgiven? Are you saved? Have you come out of the prongs of sin, the grip of hell? Have you given your life over to God? Fully, wholeheartedly? Have you immersed yourself into God's agenda and plan for your life? Have you put sin behind you? Have you called out to the Lord? Where the Bible says, those who call unto me on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If not, now's your opportunity. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the day to be saved. Don't push this off. Be saved today.
The Bible says, don't, don't tell someone to come back tomorrow when he is helping with you or helping for you now. He's there to help you now. God's hand of mercy is extended your way. Now's the acceptable time. Tomorrow's not promised. The rapture can happen at any time. Life is but a vapor and like a mist. Stretch out. Put your hand into the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. Receive salvation today. You could put your head to the pillow tonight and know that you have right standing with God. That there's not anything, like I read in Romans 8, there's nothing that separates me now from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's no sin. The Bible says there will be no more condemnation. That guilt you feel for what you've done, God can erase that guilt, that sense of inferiority, that sense of condemnation. For there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Don't put this off another day. Pray this with me now. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth to die for my sin, to die a sinner's death so I can enjoy a king's life. I confess I need your help. I admit and humble myself before your hand. I admit of my sin, but I receive your forgiveness today. I receive redemption. I accept everything you have for me. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you've raised him from the dead. And I'll never be the same. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Heaven is my home. God is my father. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. If you, if you prayed that, I want you to get in contact with me. Go to salvationnow.ca. First link that pops up, I just got saved. Click it, fill it out. I want to get some stuff to you free of charge. We pay shipping, handling, everything. I just want to help you out. I want to be a blessing to you and, um, and get some, some material into your hand, that you, Bible you can read, and uh, some material, some, some content that will greatly bless you. For everyone else watching online, I pray right now in the name that is above every name. Every chain hell has forged gets broken now by the light of God in the name of Jesus. I cut it off your life. I command every mountain uprooted. I command every valley lifted. I command every rotten tree, every satanic planting to be, to be uh, uprooted and to wither out in Jesus' name. Command every sickness to leave your body. Command every disease to bow out of your life. Command strength to come into you. Command the joy of the Lord to be your strength from this day onward. I release that. I loose by the authority of the scriptures. I loose it all your way. In the name of Jesus, I command you blessed. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be the head and not the tail. I declare the strength of God to come on you. I declare the wind of God to come behind you. In Jesus' mighty name, command the river of life to begin to burst forth from the seam on the inside of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, command heaviness to lift off your life and the oil of joy to pour out liberally upon your life. Your cup shall run over. Joy, gladness, mercy, power, and life shall flow from you in the name of Jesus Christ goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you'll never be the same in Jesus name command the health 
the cure and health of God to run through your system and whatever was rotting, whatever was dysfunctional in your body comes back to life now in Jesus' name. If you receive that, shout amen and write amen in the comment section. And I want you to write this out as a confession. Speak it and I want you to write it out to put it like a double confession. I am changed never to be the same. I am changed, never to be the same. And then write this, I have dominion and I take dominion. I have a dominion and from today, I take dominion. I have dominion, two confessions. I'm changed, never to be the same. And two, I have dominion and I take dominion. Rachel on YouTube asks, what is the spirit of COVID and is the vaccine the mark of the beast? COVID is the devil's plan to try and thwart the purpose of the church in this day and hour because he knows that the, these are the end days and that his time is very short like I just read and that the harp, this is the time of harvest. So what do you think he wants to do is try and prevent mass gatherings because this is the day that Joel prophesied where multitudes will be gathered in the valley of decision. But his plans will backfire and all, it's, all this has done is put an intense, insane fear of death in the hearts of people. And it's got them to think of death more than ever. And when you think of death, what, I mean, the best time to give an altar call is at a funeral. Everyone's thinking of death. So now there's like a society that's gripped with the fear of death. What do you think, which message do you think is the most pertinent ever before, than ever before? The gospel. Because through death, Christ suffered death that he might deliver us from the fear of death and from him who had the power of death. So the gospel is more pertinent now than it's ever been. So everything the devil tried to do in COVID, it actually did the complete opposite. More people will come to the kingdom. More people are going to get saved. More people are going to get delivered. And we're going to see the greatest harvest of soul the world's ever seen. And then the end will come. So that's, that's a good question. And I hope that, that helped you. For everyone still watching, thank you for joining me. Please share the broadcast. If you would like to give, you can do so by going to salvationnow.ca slash give and you can give via PayPal. You can give via uh, Subsplash Giving and you can also give if you're in Canada by email transfer and I'll give you the email in the comments section. Info at salvationnow.ca I want you to know you can have dominion over the area of finances. This is very true and very real. And I'm probably going to do a whole broadcast week on finances because it's so ignored and totally uh, dismissed. Like people don't talk about it because they're scared of what people are going to say when you talk about money. There's two things that devils, religious devils rise up and start to growl when you talk about. Number one is when you talk about fasting because it, the flesh just hates it. And then number two, when you talk about money, those are the two subjects of scripture that gets religious devils to growl, literally to manifest on a, like they can amen you. They'll bless God. I have to be You talk about money and all of a sudden, <laughs> they like turn into the uh, predator and alien versus predator. But money is, is actually more spiritual than you think because it takes money to set up campaigns, crusades. Do you think Reinhard Bonnke won 79 million people to the Lord because he wished it or because he had a plan and God financed that plan? 
and they set up crusades in Nigeria alone in like one crusade. They had 2.4 million decisions in five days. Cecilia asked, can you pray for my left side of my stomach? I've been cancer fever tears and I'm starting to have pain again. Well, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that. And I come in faith with Cecilia on YouTube. In Jesus' mighty name, I command that pain to leave. It shall not return. Whatsoever the Lord does, it shall be forever, the Bible says. And as God healed you that first time, it shall stand forever. I command in the name of Jesus, the remission of this thing and the total, total dismantling and annihilation of the spirit of infirmity in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive life in your stomach. In the name of Jesus. So if you'd like to give, you can go salvationown.ca slash give. And um, I'm going to read one scripture, Psalm 126, 5 and 6. This is how you take dominion in the area of finances. Verse 5, Psalm 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears, sow. That's what giving is. It's a, it's a transaction where you're sowing into the work of God in tears. That's, that suggests sowing sacrificially. You'll never have dominion over the area of finances if you give more in buying a flat screen TV than you do in, in supporting the kingdom, in, in backing the kingdom of God. You'll never have dominion in the area of finances if you give more to uh, your car payment than you do to the kingdom of God. I'm not saying monthly you should give more to your, you know, obviously you got to be wise. You tithe that, yes. You tithe to your church. You tithe to wherever you're being fed. But your offerings, there should be a time where you, you write up an offering to the kingdom of God, towards the work of God, that is substantial. That represents an offering of faith. A seed that, like it says, sowing in tears. Because look what happens. When you sow in tears, you'll reap in joy. And you will continue, he who continually goes forth weeping. So constant seed, sacrificial seed, will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, I sowed a seed recently. Um, I, there, there was a, we have a Bible college at our church. And I knew there were some people two in particular, that were having a very hard time paying off their tuition. And I, I went to Bible college, and I was around people in Bible college who had problems in the area of finances. And, you know, as a, you know when you hear people bashing the financial message and the prosperity message, and, and there is excesses on every side. I understand that. But there's a true message of prosperity outlined in the Bible. I'm not going to apologize for that. That's the scripture. I'll never apologize for the scriptures. And the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord maketh a man rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So I know, being around, I never struggled through Bible college, because thank God I got this message at a young age. So I, I was sowing, and I was reaping all throughout Bible college, and I never was in lack. So I, I, I never had to think about it. But I know other people who all they did was think about their tuition fees, and it, it actually robbed them from peace and the ability to concentrate on studying. So I wrote up uh, uh, two checks for two different people. One of them, I paid off the rest of their tuition so that they didn't have to think about it, and I did it anonymously so that they, they wouldn't know I did it. And when I sold, it was a significant amount, you know, one of the largest checks we've written up. When I sold that, the... Two weeks later, 
You know, the seed that you sow will determine the harvest you bring in. In the, the Bible says, in the likeness. If you read Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, it says here that God made the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seeds according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. So the seeds you sow will be according to its kind. The harvest you'll bring in is will be according to the, the kind of the seed that you sow. So if you sow little tiny seeds, you're going to reap little tiny harvests. That's why Paul said, New Testament, he that sows uh, sparingly will reap sparingly, but he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. So when I sowed an anonymous check, we received one of the largest checks our ministry has ever received, and it was anonymous. Isn't that interesting? I've never received an anonymous check. And we sowed an anonymous seed, and we received an anonymous reward, harvest. Isn't that, isn't that something? So be encouraged today. If you'll sow in tears and give according to the level that God has blessed you to and sow an offering of faith, the Bible says, though who sow in tears will doubtlessly come again in joy having their harvest in their hands. And the nations will say, what great things God has done for you. You can have dominion over the area of finances. And you do that, not by prayer, not even by fasting. By sowing, you when you give, he that when you give, do it privately, and he that sees you do in private, what you do in private, private, will himself reward you openly. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji, or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.